ask you for this time. I pray, Lord, by your Holy Spirit that you would lead me, you would guide me, you'd speak to me and through me to the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, and I pray, Lord, that you'd open our hearts and our minds uh, through Jesus. And we thank you and we praise you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, what I had, had, had announced that we were going to do tonight, and I wanted to spend some time on this, is talking about how we discern in this time of the internet, of YouTube, uh, Instagram, uh, all the different things going on, the websites, uh, the TV. Uh, there is more Christian teaching available now through the internet than probably the entirety of history combined. Now, I haven't done a factual search of that. That is my guesstimate. But you can, there, there is a wealth of information on the internet. I, I just remember, even over the last 10 years, uh, that I've been <clears throat> developing, working with this software program called Accordance. Uh, it's a great program. Uh, it was designed originally for the Mac. It's available on uh, PC now. Uh, but I have uh, probably five to 10,000 books on, just through this program on my computer uh, that I can search uh, when I'm preparing sermons. And, and I, by the way, I don't even begin to touch that. I've got more commentaries than I can possibly use. <clears throat> and that's just on my computer. That's not going online. Uh, and looking at all the websites that are out there, all the resources that are out there, it is absolutely amazing. Uh, and I would also say that there has never in history been as much false teaching in the body of Christ as there is right now, based on what's happening on the Internet. Now, and that's a pretty hard thing to say. Uh, and by the way, you know, most of the teachers that are out there don't think of themselves as false teachers. They think they're kind of teaching the truth. But actually, well, how do you know? That's the thing. If you turned on uh, whatever popular preacher, does the size of their congregation determine whether or not they're teaching the truth? You know, if they have thousands and thousands of followers on Instagram, if their YouTube channel has 100,000, 200,000, 500,000 followers, does that, is that an endorsement? Actually, no. It's not. It makes absolutely no difference. Uh, you can actually see this in history. There's nothing new about this, by the way. Many of you may or may not have heard of a guy named Arius. And Arius was a bishop in the church. Uh, this is back when there was, you know, not the denominations as today. Arius was a bishop in the church, and there was this guy named Athanasius. Now, Arius, from all the, all the, accounts, all the things that I read, uh, he was tall, he was handsome like me, uh, he could play the guitar. He had a great singing voice. Uh, people really loved to listen to this guy. He was a great speaker. People flocked to hear his sermons. 
Now, Athanasius, on the other hand, again, uh, from all the, that, I, that I hear about him, I've read about him, he was kind of short, he was ugly, he was rude, he was really obnoxious, uh, he really wasn't a great speaker. He was good, but he wasn't a great speaker. He's also a bishop, by the way. He's also a bishop. Uh, he did not have nearly as many followers as Athanasius, uh, as, as Arius, excuse me, as Arius. Uh, now, the other thing I didn't mention about Arius, Arius, the emperor, really liked Arius. He was the emperor, the government's golden boy. I mean, so he had the endorsement of the political leaders. He had the endorsement of Christian leaders. He, he was a bishop. He was a leader himself. Very popular. Lots of followers. But there's only one problem. Arius taught that Jesus was a created being. He was not God. That Jesus wasn't the pre-existent word of God, <clears throat> that in fact God created him uh, as you know, kind of above the angels but below God, and, uh, and then sent him to die you know, for us. Now the problem with that is it's not biblical. The problem with that is, is that that's what the Jehovah's Witnesses believe, by the way. They are followers of Arius, this guy. And so the controversy was so big about Arius. Now here's Athanasius. Now Athanasius, nobody likes the guy. But he says, Arius, you are wrong. Jesus is fully God. In fact, if Jesus is not fully God as well as being fully human, he could not die on the cross for our sins. Uh, and there was this mighty debate between Athanasius and, uh, and Arius, and it got the whole empire in an uproar. So finally, they had to call a council of all the bishops, and they got together in the 300s in what's called uh, the Council of Nicaea, and they came up with this document called the Nicene Creed. <clears throat> and you can go online, look at Wikipedia, and read this story uh, and discover and so here was the guy who was one of the most popular speakers, who was endorsed by everybody, who was favored by uh, the, uh, the emperor. <clears throat> but when these bishops got together and they debated it and they looked at scriptures, they said, no, Arius is wrong and Athanasius is right. And that's one of the first great big controversies in the body of Christ at that time. And still today, all genuine Christians, no matter what, what they're part of, if they're Roman Catholic, if they're Eastern Orthodox, if they're Reformed like we are, if they're uh, Arminians uh, like some Baptists are, uh, no matter what they are, all genuine Christians today will affirm the truth of the Nicene Creed. They believe the Nicene Creed. Uh, and so that's just an ancient history example of the kind of stuff that's going on today. The problem is today that anybody with a few, a few quid in their pocket can put up a website. And 
Let me tell you, there are a lot of ways to get a lot of followers. <clears throat> Almost every single week, I get an email from one or more companies saying, listen, if you pay us this amount of money, we guarantee you a thousand Instagram followers, genuine followers. Now, you can get followers. You can get people to follow pages. You can get people to come to church. You can get people to give money. If you, the right kind of branding, the right kind of advertising, you will draw people in. So the question is, how do you know what's true? How do you know if that video you're watching on YouTube that you're about to forward on WhatsApp, how do you know if it's true? And this is really big right now. I mean, we're dealing with the, the vaccine, vaccines and vaccinations. There's a lot of stuff out there in vaccines and vaccinations. There's a lot of things out there about whether or not churches should close down. They should not have in-person worship. By the way, I, I don't think the government was right to ban in-person worship, this, go, this lockdown. Uh, I think that they made an error. Uh, so I would agree with that, that that's an error. But should then we stay open? And should is staying open in the United Kingdom the same thing as staying open in the United States? Is it the same? So if an American church says, yes, it's our right to stay open, does it mean it's, we have the same right in the UK? And what does the Bible say? And you go online right now and you're going to hear all kinds, all kinds of discussion and debate. And I'm not going to come down clearly on one side or another. There is a difference between the UK and the United States, by the way. Uh, and if you don't know what that is, I don't have time to explain it tonight. Uh, you can look it up. But there is a big difference. I'll give you a hint. It's in the Constitution of the United States. Um, but, but you look at the Scripture and you say, okay, well, it sounds biblical. I mean, after all, the Bible says, do not neglect meeting together and actually meet together more and more as you see the end of time approaching, as you see the second coming of Christ approaching. We're seeing the second coming of Christ approaching. It's much closer today than it was 2,000 years ago. Guarantee you. I mean, that's a duh thing to say, isn't it? So, I mean, the Bible is clear, isn't it? Do not neglect meeting together. And it's not really talking about Zoom, although, or is it? How do you determine that? But you know, when I look at the scriptures, and I believe that we must obey the Bible. Don't get me wrong. I am not going to water down the scriptures. But it says, once that I know of, do not neglect to meet together. That's the place where there's hard command there in Hebrews. Do you know the Bible says in two different places that we're to obey the government? Romans, I think it's chapter 14, and First uh, Peter, um, and that's you know also you could kind of put that in into uh, uh, Paul's command for us to prayer to pray in uh, in First Timothy for all people in authority. So there's two commands to obey the government, and one command to assemble together. How do we work that out? And that's a big question. 
Now, and I've got a lot of people, I've talked to a lot of church leaders who readily quote to me the passage from Hebrews, do not neglect meeting together. Do not neglect assembling. But I've heard almost no Christian leader quote to me, obey the government and submit to its authority. Big question. So, how do we discern? How do we do this? I want to give you three C's and four questions. Three C's and four questions. The first C, challenge. Challenge. Whenever you hear or read anything, the first thing you need to do is challenge it. And that includes my sermons. Don't take what I say at face value. I love it that you trust me, and I guarantee you that I will always try to teach the Word of God truthfully and plainly and forthrightly, but I also guarantee you that I have error in my teaching. And I guarantee you that any person you name, uh, whether it be John Piper or um, John MacArthur or anybody, you just name any teacher you name has error in his or her teaching. 100% of us has, have error, have errors in our teaching. So you got to find it out. So the first thing we have to do is start to challenge things. So you, you watch that YouTube video, start to challenge it, start to ask the questions, ask hard questions. Is this really true? I know it sounds good, but is it true? What is their evidence? What is their basis for saying this? What are the sources that they're quoting? Are there people out there that have a different point of view? And if so, why do they have a different point of view? Not every Christian is right, and not every non-Christian is wrong in the things that they say. So you got to challenge what you're hearing. Don't just accept it. Don't just let it sink in and say, oh, wow, that sounds great. I'm just going to take that and run with it and forward it to a dozen people because it sounds good and it encourages me. No, you got to challenge it. You got to challenge it. The second thing then is you got to consider other opinions, other perspectives, and other sources. So you, you go online tomorrow, you look up vaccinations, you Google vaccine, and the first 32 hits on Google are, don't get vaccinated, you're going to turn into a zombie. You know, because we know that there was at least one film where the people got vaccinated and they woke up and they were all zombies. So clearly we shouldn't get vaccinated because we could become zombies. I mean, you could, you know, maybe pass around the SoundCloud on this and say, hey, you know, my pastor is saying, be careful of these vaccinations. You could, you could be zombie. You could turn into a zombie, eating brains the rest of your undead existence. You know? So you're going to find stuff like that. It's out there. And the problem is that people are repeating each other. So, you know, they say, okay, you're going to turn into a zombie. Well, where do they get that? What's the basis? And, and look and find out if they quote another authority. If they don't quote another authority, then forget it. Don't believe it. But so they quote another authority, and you keep tracing it back two or three times. You consider what they're saying, find out the, the foundation, and you will find out 
with many of the things that are on the internet today, they have one source, and oftentimes that source is false. So look at it, and then say, are there other people that have a different opinion? And try to find other opinions. Try to find, you know, did, did they get their PhD from, uh, you know, some, some uh, mail order uh, university in Siberia? Or did they get their PhD at Oxford or Cambridge? You know, do they, do they have the credentials to say this? You know, consider these kinds of things. So you got to challenge, and then you have to consider all the different possibilities, and then you make a conclusion. You make a conclusion. Now, by the way, for some of us, maybe we can't consider or even challenge uh, with the full range of research. And so find somebody who's doing the research. I mean, one of the things that I do, I spend a lot of time researching the things that people are saying, tracing things back to their source before I make a conclusion. So if you think, well, Rod's kind of sensible on this, then ask me about it and I can give you my opinion. I'll give you my opinion quickly uh, or sometimes we can sit down and talk through it in more detail. Uh, but you can find a trustworthy source who's doing this for you, but make sure it's somebody that you can really connect with uh, and that has a track record of accuracy. So you challenge, you consider, and then you make a conclusion. Then you make a conclusion. You come to a conclusion, though, that is revisable. That's based on the outcomes of challenging and considering. So your conclusions are always open to consideration. You know, I've concluded, for example, that Jesus Christ really did rise bodily from the dead. But I understand that's my conclusion, that other people look at it and dismiss it. <clears throat> and so, so I, I, I'm, open, I'm open to it being disproved. I'd have to leave Christianity if it was. But I have found absolutely no credible source that has even begun to disprove the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I've done an awful lot of research over the past 40 years or so. And so after 40 years of looking into it, I have concluded Jesus Christ rose bodily from the dead. The evidence supports it, and anybody who denies it is not really looking at the evidence. But now if somebody showed me evidence that was conclusive, I'd revisit my conclusion. But nobody's shown it to me. And so we have to be open to correction. You can say, hey, I believe churches should be open, and the government's wrong to close the churches. But then maybe you find some more evidence to say, well, maybe it wasn't wrong. So you open that up. You, you open yourself up. So challenge, consider, conclude. Then after you conclude, you have to ask yourself four questions. After you make a conclusion, your conclusion must stand up to four questions. The most important question, number one, is it biblical? Is this biblical? Is what you're seeing, what your conclusion, is it consistent with the revelation of God in the Bible? 
Is it biblical? If it's not biblical, then you need to revisit your conclusion right away. Second question, does it glorify Jesus? Does it glorify Jesus? And this is a big one, because a lot of times, you know, you'll, you'll hear a speaker, you'll hear something on YouTube, and it sounds really good, and it sounds really biblical, but at the end, there's this like this plug, you know, for 1995, you can get my book, and for 99.95, you get access to my my uh, my uh, downloadable uh, video series, and, and you know, it's just you know, it's because I'm really a great teacher, and you know, praise God for me. You know, and some people have that kind of attitude. But you have to look at it, but if you're watching carefully, they're not glorifying Jesus. So you got to ask yourself: Is the person is the conclusion? Does it glorify Jesus? Third question. What is the fruit? What would be the outcome of acting on this conclusion? What are the possible fruits that could come out of it? Will it be good fruit? And then you might start to walk out that conclusion. You need to keep asking yourself, is this good fruit? Is what I'm seeing from this good? And then the fourth question is, what are other mature Christians saying? And I emphasize the word mature. Don't go just to your neighbor or to you know, a Facebook friend and expect that they're going to give you <clears throat> the kind of perspective you need on your conclusion. Seek out two or three different Christians that you admire and respect and you know that they are thinking and they're, uh, and they're looking at these kinds of things and say, what do you think about this? This is my conclusion. This is what I'm going to do. What's your opinion? What's your advice? So is it biblical? Does it glorify Jesus? What is the fruit? And what is the counsel of other mature Christians? Let me tell you, you can find Christians who will support whatever opinion you want to have, at least people who call themselves Christians. You will find them out there. So you really got to search. And don't be deceived by bright, shiny packages. There are some people that look great, they sound great, they're bright, they're shiny. You say, wow, they have to be great. Don't be deceived by bright and shiny passages, uh, packages. Remember what Paul said, <clears throat> even Satan masquerades as an angel of light. So if you will challenge, consider, conclude, and then ask your four questions. Is it biblical? Does it glorify Jesus? What is the fruit? And what is the counsel of other mature Christians? Then you will be able to discern good from evil. And it sounds like a lot, but if you put this into practice, I've been doing this for 40 years. I've been doing this before I was a pastor. I've been doing this kind of thing since I was a teenager. <clears throat> God taught me this very early on in my Christian walk. I've been doing this a long time. And the thing is, when you first start doing it, it's hard. But if you practice it and practice it and practice it, you will get very good at it. And that's what the writer to the Hebrews is talking about when he says, you know, we, we need to go on to maturity. To, you know, and the mature are those who have learned to discern good from evil. 
and that's our responsibility. So, you know, the next time you're tempted to forward something, uh, make sure you've challenged, considered, and concluded. Make sure you've asked your four questions and done some research. And if you've done that, then I think it's probably safe to pass it on uh, for others to see and embrace as well. Uh, so I hope that's not too much, but if you put this into practice, it really will enable you to come to a place of very deep maturity in Christ Jesus. So let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much uh, that you have given us brains, that you've given us the ability to learn to discern. And thank you that that discernment is one of our signs of real maturity in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> I pray, Lord God, that we would have a church and that everybody here, everybody connected, would be people who would discern with excellence, that we would not be deceived by good-looking packages, but that we really would learn how to ask the questions, do the challenging, go deep, so that we can be grounded in our faith Especially, especially during this time when there's so many people tossed about by every wind and wave of doctrine and every errant teaching that is floating around out there. So I thank you and I praise you, Lord, uh, for all of this. And I bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.